let's get started. So last week, we began a series of talks called The King of the Kingdom. And we're looking at, for the next couple of weeks, the first four chapters of the Gospel of Matthew. And through this Gospel focus, the aim of our time is that we would see Jesus for who he is and discover what he means to us. For example, some people say that Jesus is a myth, that he's just somebody that's made up in, in you know, the history books and we don't have to believe in him. Others say, well, okay, so he did really exist, but he's just a, a good moral teacher. But at the heart of the gospel of Matthew and the gospels that are, are housed in scripture, we see this belief that Jesus from a town called Nazareth in first century Palestine was in fact the long-awaited Jewish Messiah who came not only to bring rescue and restoration, but that he ultimately came to establish God's kingdom here on this earth. So last week we looked at the very riveting genealogy of Jesus. Some of you were surprised last week. And we discovered two key things from that genealogy. The first was that we learned that the king of this kingdom is actually Jesus himself. That he is that deliverer, that Messiah, that savior who is the descendant of David who was promised. And the second thing we learned is that Jesus is actually someone that we can relate to. And peppered throughout his family tree, we have references of people who maybe didn't have the best background, who probably didn't come from the most noble reputation like King David. But connecting with these people and their stories, they show us the story of redemption and how these people found hope and a future in Yahweh, the God of Israel. And how all that reveals the truth that Jesus saves in all our life, bringing his life and his goodness into all the places of our story. And so building on all of that, we, what we learned, I want to give this message today, and the title is called, Hold Fast, God is With Us. Hold fast, God is with us. The passage we're going to be exploring today is Matthew chapter 1, uh, 18 through 25. And the big idea that we're going to be discussing today is that with Jesus, we experience God's saving presence. With Jesus, we experience God's saving presence. To open things up, I'd like to share uh, two scriptures that were on my mind this week as I was preparing for this message. And the first comes out of the book of Isaiah, where the prophet Isaiah wrote these words, uh, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Then there's also a passage in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, where the writer says these words, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And in both these passages, there is this element of waiting and having 
hope. And I think that both speak to the present reality that these Jewish people were experiencing in first century Palestine, the audience of the book of Matthew. They were people waiting for God to come through on what he had promised to Abraham and to David. For most of us, waiting is not something that comes easy. Can I hear an amen? Amen. All right. I'm still learning that one. Let alone that it would be considered to be something that is a benefit to us. And yet God speaks again and again throughout his word about this practice of waiting. I believe that in those times of waiting, this discipline leads us into a deeper intimacy with God to discover how he proves himself faithful through it all every single time. This practice of waiting also reveals our need for his presence with us. We can't do it on our own, in our own strength. We need God to be right there with us. His presence makes the difference. And with Jesus, we experience God's saving presence. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation this morning. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. The first thing we learn from our passage is that Jesus is real. There you go. Profound, I know. Jesus is real. Uh, The fact that Jesus was an actual, physical, embodied person who was born. Verse 18, right out of the gate. Jesus the Messiah was born. Is at the core of what he came to accomplish as our Savior. Because he was someone who was going to be identified with us in every way. We covered, uh, we looked at a verse from Hebrews last week. You know, he experienced birth as a person. He experienced life in human form. He experienced death, a very painful one at that. And his actual physical body was then raised from the dead. And with all of that, 
considered, he still lived a perfect human life free of sin so that he could die in our place for all of our sins, past, present, and future. So the Apostle Paul puts it this way in his letter to the church in Philippi, saying, Though he was God, meaning Jesus, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. God the Son, Jesus, became a man, fully God, fully man, yet gave up his divine privileges. In the same way, in Hebrews chapter 2, it's written that because God's children are human beings, that's all of us, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. That's Hebrews 2, 14 through 15. The truth that Jesus is real shows us that he lived in a flesh and bones body just like you and me, which means that he was born, he laughed, he cried, he got hurt. You know, I, I, I've heard stories of, you know, people imagining, you know, what would have, it have been like to be Mary having to repair the skinned knee of the Christ child, you know? But, you know, I'm sure he ran just like my son Owen runs and sometimes skins his knee, right? And so he, he got hurt. He actually literally did bleed real blood. There's no imagining it or trying to pull wool over anyone's eyes. Jesus is real, and that means that he chose to identify himself with us in every way. It also means that there is an actual, real, pragmatic impact that he made on the world, especially in the lives of two young Judean teenagers who were engaged to be married. In those days, to be unmarried and found pregnant was a scandalous condition. The consequence was either divorce, you know, that whole breaking the engagement thing. In other translations, uh, the, the weight of it was actually as though it was a divorce. It was that serious. It was that, that intense. And ultimately, being ostracized from your family and the community or you could experience death by stoning. Either one, right? Uh, and even though the testimony of this miraculous conception was by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what Matthew is claiming here, it was scandalous that Mary became pregnant before their marriage. I mean, that's a pretty unbelievable sign and there were those back then who doubted if Mary was actually telling the truth or if she was simply just trying to cover up some area of sin in her life. Even her fiancé found that explanation to be a hard pill to swallow. So Jesus is real. And 
when with Jesus we experience God's saving presence and sometimes God's present in, presence interrupts the status quo of our situations so that we can realize the promise that he wants to bring us into. The second thing we learn from our passage is that God knows where we're at. It says Joseph was an honorable man. And we get the picture here that Joseph cared deeply for Mary. Uh, He was really torn up about this. We have a record of the decisions and actions that Joseph had decided to take. He was was considering them in his mind. So we don't have the emotionally charged language that you might expect from that situation. We, We don't have a record of the how that conversation actually went when Mary said, oh, by the way, Joseph, I'm pregnant. Oh, but don't worry, it's by the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, (laughs) don't worry, it's not that bad, right? I mean, to be a fly on the wall in that conversation or hit the replay in heaven once we get there, that would be an interesting conversation to have record of, but we don't. And so, but imagine, if you will, that would have a lot of emotion behind it. I imagine he was pretty mad, pretty frustrated, pretty hurt. And so God saw him in that situation and God sent the angel of the Lord, one of his messengers, to come and speak to Joseph in a dream. So in verse 20 we read that the angel told Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. You know, it's one thing to be just afraid in general when the angel of the Lord shows up, but he was afraid to take Mary as his wife. The truth is Joseph was managing his exit strategy from from a natural perspective based on the fears of all the implications of his fiancée's pregnancy. Maybe he was afraid that this baby would ruin his reputation in his family and community. Maybe he was afraid that all this reflected poorly on his character. You know, all those judgments and assumptions from people who would just take one look at Joseph and one look at Mary and the pregnancy and think, man, that guy doesn't have any self-control. Or maybe they would have the thought, he is such a fool for marrying a woman whose child wasn't his. I mean, you know, it's one thing today, but back then this was like earth-shattering the implications of all of this, right? Maybe he was afraid that this pregnancy would ruin his family legacy and would drive away key friends and family in their community. The list could go on. We could, we could spend all day just imagining what he was fearing in this. Whatever the case, life was never going to be the same for Joseph. And he was freaking out. He was not in a good headspace. But the good news for Joseph and for you and I today is that when we're freaking out about everything that's happening in the natural areas of our lives, God has a supernatural word to speak that will transform our fear into faith. This conception of this baby was no accident. It was the result of God's power at work in Mary to bring about his purpose of salvation for everyone. So, for just a moment, let's compare the two names that the angel references here. 
because he, he gives him to, he says, instructs Joseph that he's to name the baby Jesus for he will save his people from their sins uh, because his character and purpose was to bring about salvation. But then all of this is said to have been the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy in, from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. So the name Jesus, it, it's corresponded with the Hebrew name Joshua, uh, which means Yahweh is deliverance or Yahweh saves. And Emmanuel, as it was foretold, literally means God with us. So if we were to bring both of those meanings together, that's where I get this phrase, God's saving presence. When we experience Jesus, we then have access to God's presence with us wherever we're at in our process. And we also have access to the salvation that God wants to bring us into. I am convinced that wherever you're at this morning, whatever you're going through, Jesus wants to meet you here this morning. He wants your faith to grow. And that more and more each day you would grow closer to the Holy Spirit so you could experience his presence everywhere you go. You see, God knows where you're at, and with Jesus, we experience God's saving presence in the here and now. The third thing we learn from Matthew is that surrender is the key to realizing the fulfillment of God's promises. I'll repeat that. Surrender is the key to realizing the fulfillment of God's promises. The conception and advent of the Messiah was made possible because Mary and Joseph surrendered themselves to align with God's plan. When God approached Mary through the angel of the Lord, again, Mary could have said, no, no thanks, no, you got the wrong person. Choose someone else, don't wreck my life <laughs> with this situation, no. Um, Joseph could have continued on and just went on and divorced Mary because that's what he had set in his mind to do, and yet they didn't. They chose to align themselves with God's plan. They surrendered to that plan. Even in the face of scandalous and difficult circumstances, God asked these teenagers to commit to trusting him and his promises. Remember being a teenager? Man, that's a lot of weight. I mean, they were a lot more mature back then. But for real, that's, that's a lot to ask these teenagers. Is it possible that God is challenging you and me this morning to trust him more? God desires that we be faithful to him even when it doesn't make sense. And faithfulness requires sacrifice, that laying down of our rights for his purposes. In verse 25, we find that Joseph named the baby. Now, for all of you married couples or, you know, future married couples, and you, you imagine these things, I know my daughter Maggie is probably imagining these things in her life. 
Have you ever thought of the list of baby names that your future children would have? Or did you at, at one point when you had children or were thinking about them? Just for kicks, you would just kick around a few names. Hey, what about Phil? What about Susie? What about Elijah? <laughs> you know, <laughs> ooh, that's a good biblical name. Let's, let's go with that. Or, you know, that kind of thing. Imagine if you're Mary and Joseph. You've been talking through these kinds of things. You've been, even though they were just at the engagement stage, I'm sure they talked to each other at some point in their life. Perhaps they had had similar conversations. What would the name of their first child be together? If it was a girl or a boy. And so this means that for Joseph to name the baby Jesus he would have to surrender his right to name his son as he saw fit. And instead, chose to go in faith with God's purposes. The truth is, we show our faith through the words that come out of our mouths. And in the place where our words match up with our faith, and our faith matches up with God and his will, we are actually speaking God's purposes into existence through the power and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So what is God asking you to speak? What is God asking you to surrender in your life right now? Is there something that God wants to do in your situation that would be a fulfillment of a promise? that is going to require your honest surrender, even when it doesn't make sense. Surrender is the key to realizing the fulfillment of God's promises, and with Jesus, we experience God's saving presence here and now. So bringing it all together, there's something I learned about a month ago, somewhere in that range, that really moved me at the time and has kind of stuck with me ever since. It's this idea of holding fast. Um, All growing up, I had heard that phrase before. You know, probably somewhere in church, I heard that verse that we read earlier. Probably somewhere on a TV network where there was some TV preacher saying, you know, hold fast. You know, um, I probably heard that phrase and I probably thought I knew what it meant. But I never really gave it much thought until about a month ago. I was doing some research on nautical themes. We were coming to the beach, and so we thought, hey, we should study up on this. I did. Uh, And Angie studied the map of the town. She's an expert, by the way. Um, And so, but as I was doing this research, this phrase, hold fast, came up in my search. And so that intrigued me. It kind of moved Angie and I to tears when we read it. Um, And it turns out, that this phrase has its roots in Norwegian and Dutch sailorship or sailing, where they had a saying that basically meant, hold on tight. And you all probably already knew this, right? But I didn't at the time. But I imagine that this was a practice that happened when they were handling that rope, holding on tight, when they were on rough seas when they were in a rough patch of the ocean in the waves. 
And so, since these sailors were superstitious, at least a little stitious, they would go ahead and tattoo the words hold fast on their index fingers. So that as they were holding onto that rope, they were gripping that rope, that somehow that tattoo would help them get through the rough waters. And that it would serve as a reminder to hold on tight, that they would get through that difficult moment and come out the other side okay. So while I don't want us to be superstitious, even a little stitious, I would submit to you today that in the same way that those sailors have a special tattoo to inspire hope in their situations, we have the name of Jesus as our reminder that no matter what we have gone through or are going through, God is with us. With Jesus, we experience God's saving presence. So if you're going through a rough patch in life, hold fast to Jesus' name. God is with you. He will see you through to the other side. And let's imagine for a moment that any one of us are going through a smooth patch in life. Let the name of Jesus be a reminder for all the times you have experienced hard waters and how God has been right there with you through it all. Hold fast. God is with you. And with Jesus, we experience God's saving presence. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much. I thank you that when the night is holding on to us, you are holding on to us. Thank you that you never give up on us, that you want to be our hope that we cling to. Thank you that you never let us down. And that you are the king that we can trust. That when all the rest of the world is failing, we can trust in you. Lord, I thank you so much for this record in Matthew. Of these two teenagers that had their entire picture of their world obliterated. Because you had a different plan. And thank you, God, that they were obedient and surrendered their, their hopes and their dreams to you. God, help us to do the same. That as we invite you to continue to walk with us, or to walk with us for the first time throughout our lives, God, that we would find the hope of your saving presence with us. And so... As we respond in worship, Lord, help us to cling to you.
to hold fast to you. In Jesus' name, amen.